Welcome back, folks, to Shift Ender Podcast. I'm your host, Drew McSalty. Got a very special guest today. We got my buddy Norm Saline coming in here to talk with us today. So this may be a little longer than normal episode. It may be a good thing or a bad thing. Depends on how you like this. But uh, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. All right, folks, we got Norm Saline in the studio today. Uh, Norm has been a, a good buddy of mine for a long, long time. I mean, a long, long time. Uh, we've known each other for nigh on 20 years, I'd say. Uh, he has a vast experience. He, he's got a few more years in the game than I do, but we'll let uh, Norm tell you a little bit about himself. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate being here. I appreciate being on the Shift Ender podcast because I listen to every episode like a good little boy. <laughs> like you're supposed to. <laughs> like I'm supposed to, exactly, exactly. Now I'm a salty old medic, uh, Parasaurus as they call us. And, uh, I've been a medic since 1996. So it's been a while, yeah. But you were licensed as an EMT before that, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got into the uh, got into it in nineteen ninety four. I was in. I was a volunteer firefighter. That's what I was like. I was a volunteer firefighter. Oh, so you was a hero. I was a hero. Oh. I was a hero. <laughs> Then I decided to do something meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> then you decided to do something that wasn't volunteer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was a volunteer firefighter, and, and a buddy of mine who was also a volunteer firefighter said, hey, let's go to first responder school, which is what they used to call, uh, what do they e- call them now? EMR, emergency medical responder, I think. E- yeah, I think that's what it is, EMR. The National Registry put their hands in, so they got to, you know, do something they can make money at. Exactly. Let's, let's do let's do this as a license so we can get paid. That's what they want to do. A license that you can use nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is useless. <laughs> Looks real cool when you're talking to your fat white girlfriend, though. Yeah, 150 bucks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway. So we, so we went to first responder school, which was basically first aid class. I mean, snoopy side up, sticky side down. That's what's the band-aid college. That's exactly. what we called it. If you can afford so, snoopy, snoopy band-aids, you know. Yes, well, we had snoopy band-aids because we were cool. <laughs> High dollar. High dollar. But I... Really enjoyed the class. I mean, I, I really, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like people who do this job are kind of ordained to do this job. You know, they, it's kind of a calling. It's, I, it's like. 100% agree. I, I, I hate to use the word calling, but it's kind of like a, some people are built for it and some just aren't. That's true. And I've seen people go to school, spend a lot of money and a lot of time and effort to get their licensure. And then just quit. Yeah, five years, they're done. They're off. Yeah, they're like, I'm done. Some other I, school. I, I can't be anything else. I'm a medic. Yeah, that's all, that's all I know how to do. I mean, I've done a little bit of carpentry and stuff on my own house and whatnot, but I wouldn't go out and work on somebody else's. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that. It's not that level. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't want any part of working on somebody else's crap are you, are you insured <laughs> like a lot. I, I hope so 
You're going to uh, find out just how insured you are. <laughs> <laughs> so I went I went to uh, EMT school after that, and I kind of worked around it. I was working in a factory at the time. Mm. I made good money working in a factory. I was working uh, a union job. Oh, yeah. Good money, good benefits, and I gave it all up to do this, which, I don't know, in hindsight, might have been stupid. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand... It's provided a paycheck for a while, at least. Yeah. Um, So then, then once I went to EMT school, um, back then it was separate. You had EMT and then you had Ivy Tech, which is... Right. I don't know, it's all I don't I don't care what it is now because in the state of Tennessee it's all goofy anyway, but right. it, it, I, I got a job working weekends at a place and they offered to send me to paramedic school and I jumped at the chance and so here I am. Do you remember how much uh, EMT school and paramedic school was when you went? Uh EMT school wasn't uh, very expensive. <laughs> It seems like it cost me about uh, like three hundred something dollars, maybe. When I went, and this was nineteen ninety eight, uh, I got a scholarship, quote unquote, from my high school because nobody else applied for it for five hundred bucks, and it pretty much covered the whole cost of it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like three hundred bucks, and I, that might include my book. I don't even remember exactly, but I know it wasn't very expensive at all. What about medic school? Yeah. Do you remember it? No, because they paid for it. I, I, I never did. Oh, that's true. You, you had the service paid for it. We remember ours because we used to make fun of it all the time. It was uh, $716.50 for the first two semesters, and the third semester was $545. And the reason I remember this is because every time the instructor would screw up or we felt like we needed to do something else or we wanted a day off or something like this is all I get for my seven sixteen fifty. That was a very common phrase. <laughs> so you all were smart, Alex, is what you're saying. I'm saying there was a few of us in there. Well, that's hey, probably why you become a medic. Hey, speaking of, how many uh, people did you graduate in your medic class? Do you remember? There was eighteen of us started. Right. And there was sixteen finished. I think. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and that was because of my instructor, and I won't mention his name, but uh, I didn't get along with him on a personal level, but as far as the instructor was concerned, and I I personally know who I'm talking about. I believe I do, yeah. Super, super good instructor. I I mean, he had some of the people that graduated from my class, there is no way they could have graduated from the paramedic program had he not had a hand in it and helped them along. I believe his, he's got doctor in front of his name now, doesn't he? He absolutely does have a doctor in front exactly of his name now. I was thinking of. See, yeah. when I went to paramedic school, we started with 24, I think, on the first day. And we lost three that day because when they were going through and explaining what all this was the orientation day when they were explaining what all was going to be required for that year there was three old boys from a a rural area they were like no (laughs) no no (laughs) then we had a guy that failed cpr and then uh, by the end of the class we graduated nine 
and eight of us are wow. still eight of us are still alive, and I think maybe two, maybe three of us still practice. Maybe three. Wow. But yeah, that's crazy. So you, all right? I thought that was a unique situation, but. Uh, two or three years ago, I heard about a guy, or it wasn't your class, because I don't know the guy specifically failed CPR in the paramedic class. He's already EMT, been an EMT for years, went to paramedic school, and couldn't pass the CPR test. Not the not the practical part, but the written part, he couldn't pass that. The written part? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, what's even worse is mine, uh, he failed the practical. Wow, I don't know which is worse, really. Well, he was uh, like doing compressions down on the upper abdomen, you know, like yeah, way right. below the xiphoid process, and <laughs> just, that won't work. Just wailing away, you know, like on those old mannequins, it would click when you were doing it right. They weren't no clicking going on. <laughs> oh gosh! But this guy, he hadn't the ink wasn't even dry on his EMT license. He literally walked down the hall from EMT school to paramedic school and failed CPR. I'm like, what the crap, dude? Yeah. We used to, and I don't know if it was that way when you went through, but now when I went through, they used to require that you worked a year full-time as an EMT or two years part-time before you could even get up and apply to paramedic school, much less get in. Well, that was part of the, of the application thing is it said that. But then they didn't hold to it. Because that's what I did. I worked uh, two years full-time as an EMT, started paramedic school, and, you know, I went through a third year of being an EMT before I got out of medic school. Yeah. And, of course, you know, I had a, I had some background as a volunteer rescue squad, so I, I kind of knew how things worked, which was is to your advantage if you have an idea of what's going on. So. Right. But, uh, well... I, I I just feel like that they're probably they're probably desperate because you know how it is if you have a paramedic license and a pulse oh yeah and don't and don't have a family conviction and sometimes even when you do you can get a job anywhere oh, yeah. Yeah, anywhere yeah. And, and, well the place I work you can get fired and come back in about a year and get a job again <laughs> <laughs> might even get a promotion you never know. <laughs> <laughs> They'll pay you for the year of experience that you got somewhere else. <laughs> Get an extra quarter for that extra year, buddy. That's right. Don't spend it Come all on, in one buddy. place. <laughs> Here's your sign-on bonus, too, since you've been gone six months. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty desperate out there. And, and you know, I, w- I wonder why. And the biggest reason that, the biggest reason that I can think of is two reasons that people leave the animal service or EMS or whatever how you want to put it and they leave the profession why they leave the profession in my opinion two reasons one is because pay just isn't consummate with what we're required to know And, and they always equate that out to what you do compared to what you know right and and no, I've, I know I've told you this story, but for the benefit of the audience, I'm going to tell the story real quick. My, my dad was a, was a boss over a, a mining company mm-hmm. back in the 60s, a long time ago, 50 years ago. And 
they messed up something on a dump truck. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But anyway, there was a part on there that they needed to get off to replace because it was messed up. And they worked on it for two days. They spent two entire days, him, the maintenance guys, everybody had to take off trying to get it to get this piece out there. They couldn't do it. So finally, they, they talked to some guys that lived around there because they were, you know, they were coming in. They were digging a tunnel, actually. They weren't digging a, a mine shaft. They were digging a tunnel. So they were on site, you know, somewhere they weren't familiar with. Anyway, the guy says, so, well, I know a guy that's got a little garage down there. He might be able to help. He's always been good. And he said, okay, send him up. So old man comes up there, walks over and looks at the dump truck, and he just walked over his truck, picked up a ball peen hammer, walked over and tapped it one time, and it, that piece just fell out on the ground as pretty as you believe just as simple as that <laughs> and he's wiping his tool off putting it back in the toolbox and my dad says wow thanks appreciate it how much do you and the old man said twenty dollars <laughs> this is this is 1960 so like 1961 so it's like a hundred dollars maybe maybe even more dad said well if you only hit it one time Twenty dollars hit it one time, and he said, "I don't get paid for what I do. I get paid for what I know." Mm-hmm. And I said to Dad, "I said, what you do? He said, I paid him twenty dollars.'" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, that's the way I feel about our job. You know, you don't pay me for what I do. You pay me for what I know. Well, so it's funny you mentioned that because I don't know if if you listen to the EMS Week. Um, uh, podcast that we did, did. Uh, the before and after I don't remember which one I think I talked about it though but one year it was a service that I worked at and you worked there also at one point um, we were like the last kids on the block to get the easy IOs yeah and when they got them morale was about a negative 10 at that point <laughs> and they got <laughs> they got easy IOs as a morale booster Wow. <laughs> Hadn't had a cost of living raise in like six years at this point. <laughs> and they felt like getting us another tool that we had to train more on <laughs> was a morale booster. Wow. <laughs> some more crap you've got to do. Here's some more you're stuff welcome. that you're you're responsible for now and have to train on. Yeah. <laughs> which makes our training day just a little bit longer now. You're welcome. Wow. <laughs> is, is your morale lifted? Because ours sure is. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's a cold hot dog and a burger while you're at it. <laughs> well, that, like I said, that, that's, there's two reasons. The, the one reason is because of the pay. And, and they don't pay us enough, right. like I said. So, you know, that sends people away. But ironically, the other thing that I think that... that keeps a lot of people out of the business is that there's a lot of at least in our area there's a lot of volunteers you talked about the rescue squad earlier right people do not delineate the difference between EMS and the rescue squad yeah, at it, least it, in our area they think of them as the same thing and they're not the same thing and they teach their ignorant kids the same thing after yes. there's ambulance drivers with the rescue squad and they're like oh there's ambulance drivers and I'm like there's just no hope there's just no hope for it and that in turn perpetuates the the 
idea that we're volunteers or that we're just in order to be on an ambulance, all you gotta do is volunteer to be on that. Hey, I'd love to be on that one. And uh, you know, one of my ex wives <laughs> let <laughs> will let that percolate and say one of my ex wives <laughs> was also uh, a paramedic. Right. I guess she still is. So anyway, but she, when she was going to paramedic school, she said, um, well, I'm, I'm going to go to paramedic school, and if I don't like it, I'll go on and do something else. And I'm like, I said to her, you know, this job's not like working at McDonald's. It, if you work the window, they can't just move you over to fries. That, that's not how that works. Correct. You know? So, if you're going to go to the trouble of committing a solid calendar year of your life to being a paramedic, she's already an EMT. But if you're going to if you're going to commit that solid year, you better know that that's what you want to do. Well, you know, I don't know about you. Even even as salty as I am at this point, you know, after a little over twenty years on the truck full time, I still kind of take offense when somebody talks about what we do as a a, like it's a hobby or a stepping stone you know yeah oh yeah yeah me too I get very offended by it it's like this is what I do for a living and and will continue to do because I don't know how to do anything else (laughs) well yeah me neither there you go but you know, it, it's not fair to compare us to nurses because even though we have some of the same skills, it's not the same job. No, it's not the same so, environment, you know? It's not the same thing. Uh, we have immense responsibilities that you can never learn until you've been on the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, until you, you feel that pressure. It, it's funny you mention that because I worked a, a cardiac arrest uh like a week or so ago and mm-hmm. ended up it was at a dialysis center and the lady was in a Sicily when we got there uh, mm-hmm. got her tubed because you know you can you can cram those combi tubes and IGLs up your butt as far as I'm concerned and mm-hmm. uh, uh, got an IO gave a couple rounds of epi she went into V-fib and ended up shocking her three times giving like two rounds of lidocaine hanging a drip the whole deal you know got Ross mm-hmm. back everything's hunky-dory so i drive to the local trauma center there which was the closest facility and uh i give report you know everything she's maintaining everything's fine i even put her on the vent because i'm a vent truck and uh the pharmacist comes over and asks me she goes just out of curiosity uh why did you give them lidocaine instead of amiodarone and i'm like because i have two hands and lidocaine is pre-filled. Our amiodarone <laughs> is not. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> it worked, didn't it? <laughs> I've been using it since before you were in elementary school. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I, I don't mind a question about something, but I don't like to be questioned about something. <laughs> when you started off with... I'm not. I'm not trying to offend you. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, well, you see, you've got ten people in here, 
I had me yeah. and a firefighter that sat on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's why to me, Luke, old buddy Lucas is the firefighter of the year. I don't know if you've ever got to use one of those devices before. The uh, uh, the automatic automatic CPR machines. I've seen them used, but I've never I've never been privileged enough to be in a service that wants to spend that money on those. We don't. I, well, like one of our supervisor trucks has it, and then the actual supervisor themselves. But a lot of the fire engines have them. Yeah, and uh, they're they're handy as a pocket up shirt. Well, I'd heard that. I've heard it from you, and I've heard it from a couple other people that they're real, they're really handy. And I imagine they're more consistent as far as. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you get the same depth every time. You get the you get. You know, because I mean, I don't have any rhythm. I'm white. Well, you never have to so, stop either. I mean, it, even unless you're changing a battery out, or you can pause for a rhythm check and all that kind of thing. But yeah, they're well, pretty neat, though. Well, we're just now getting power cuts, so that's where we are. Wow. Well, that was a question yeah. I was going to ask you. Is uh, in your 24 plus years of experience. What do you think is like the best thing that has come along since you started? Because I like stair chairs and stuff, but I'll have to say my power cut, I dig it because I use it every call. I would say, and I'm not used to power cut much, but what I have used it, my feeling has been that that would have saved a lot of backs a lot of shoulders mm-hmm. a lot of injuries and, and stuff because I mean and I've told other people this and I know you know this but I'm going to say for the audience but and when we first started when I first started we were still using the old two man stretchers which is like you see an old movie or something where they drop it down uh, the ground mother jugs and speed they drop the patient all the way down to the ground and you deadlift the patient yeah, cotton we, all and put it in the ambulance we still had that one the one truck that had that when I started over there in that rural service and that's they crazy. still had a PTL on one of those trucks <laughs> oh yeah PTLs I forgot about those yeah <laughs> you remember those oh, yeah. you remember those old MRL monitors <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes, I do remember the MRLs. The clamshell that vomited all the wires on you when you opened it up. The battery lasted about 38 seconds. Literally, it really did. You had to put it on there, check the rhythm, and turn turn it it off. off. (laughs) Exactly. Or you were done. You couldn't get out of the driveway and that battery was gone. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad back in the day. But as far as, as... usefulness is concerned I would say that coming up is power cut and I, I will say this and I know you maybe you don't like them or I know a, a lot of people don't like them but the new ambulance designs those small uh, uh, Ford um, Traverse I think is what they're called and the Mercedes Benz the smaller ambulances everybody calls them Kind of the Lebanese kind of <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> the sprinter type stuff. Yeah, the sprinters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 
they're not they don't have as much room i'm gonna give you that inconvenient as far as having more room in the back of the truck because i've worked in trucks before the big box trucks where the cots were center mounted and you could there was actually a cpr what they call cpr jump seat on one side a whole bench seat on the other side so you could literally have four people comfortably inside the truck working on a patient and not be in anybody's way right that's good and that's wonderful but these trucks that have that lower deck on them oh yeah they're so much easier to load a patient even i mean even with a power cot you're still gonna have to at the end of the stretcher so you're not having to lift the patient up to your chest to get them up into the truck you're not having to step into the truck as high my, my knees get bad I'm old as crap you know so stepping into the truck and stepping out of the truck I mean that that if if we had had those two things the sprinter type trucks and the and the power cots when I started my body would not be racked with pain like it is now well you know you can get those those sprinters in a type 3 also with a smaller box on it so you'd have some outside storage I have seen uh, some of those models they're ugly Uh, as homemade sin but I mean it's it's functional yeah I don't care what they look like I don't pay for them (laughs) I'm the same way people like it's like the flickering lights on them I can give a crap yeah, I, do they I don't function? Care. I don't even care if they function. I don't. Most of the time, I don't need to turn them on anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. You, you can't make me get excited about something. I've had. It's funny because we'll have people that'll be responding to a call, and then they'll advise dispatch that their sirens out. And they'll start another unit that way, and I'm like, "Well, it was a bullcrap call to begin with. Just keep going." <laughs> yeah, there's ninety-nine percent chance you're going to go non-emergency to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. And I always think about those calls when when dispatch when nine one one comes out and says priority two, priority one, whatever. And how do I come up with with? with I don't pay hardly any attention to what I don't pay attention to what they tell me the priority is. I pay attention to what the complaint is. Right. Because nine one one, at least in our area, will say you've got an altered mental status or decreased level of consciousness and they'll say priority three right and that, that's not priority three to me that's an emergency call priority three being non-emergency well our, ours does the same thing they say they have to go by this apco and all these cards that they have to read and it has they have to go with whatever it says but then you can you can i've seen them manually put a stroke in as priority three because it's a week old or or an unconscious because it's a man down or something i'm like you're full of crap. You're telling me you have to go by this card, but you don't. But no, <laughs> the, no you don't. They're the atrial fib of e, of of EMS dispatches. They're inconsistently inconsistent. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you feel free to use it. <laughs> sure. Consistently inconsistent. <laughs> I like it. dispatched us yesterday emergency not even priority two which is unknown emergency they've dispatched us emergency traffic to that place that shall remain unnamed that takes 45 minutes to get to in the same county oh my gosh yeah for a pill stuck in somebody's throat (laughs) 
The darn appeal. thing's dissolved by the time you get there. <laughs> well, you would think. But no, we took her to the hospital. Good. Anyway. Well, I had a one this morning that, uh, see, we, I don't know if you listened to yesterday's podcast or not, but we've started taking notation of all the calls we run, and we put in each category, needed an ambulance, didn't need an ambulance. Yeah, and I uh, heard that. So yesterday's tally total was 10 calls, one needed an ambulance. And number four. The one that was at 5 o'clock this morning, I think it was like our 8th or ninth call, called because he had been up taking his blood pressure with a machine from midnight till 5 a.m. Because it was running like 110 over 60, you know, perfectly fine. Yeah. And his machine started to read error every time he used it. I'm like, well, yeah, it's tired. <laughs> it's like you if change you, the batteries. You click on a Microsoft product enough times, it's gonna quit responding, and it's gonna sit there for ten minutes before it catches up. You know? Yeah. But we took this guy to the hospital, and we could not give a complaint other than his machine said error. Even though we took manual blood pressures and stuff on him that were perfectly fine, I was like, I I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> Here you go. Here, here he is. <laughs> Where's our bed? <laughs> Do you all have students where you work that you have to? Yeah. Answer? Well, see, we get uh, EMT and paramedic interns. Well, so they they actually do their own EMT class in house too. They've been doing trying to get more employees. But we also have what's called a NEOP, and I don't even know what it stands for. But it's the new hires um, have to ride so many hours. Right. So that we have those too. So we have a lot of people. Well, I worked yesterday uh, a shift that somebody was they taken a day off or whatever, and I worked an extra shift because we're poor and we need to make money. Right. So I was working this extra shift, and there was a student. The my partner said, you know, normally the guy you know he's here but the student is going to come in today and she said I'll sign off on his paperwork she's a medic too and I said that's fine I, I don't care whatever he can be here or not be here it's not going to make any difference to me but so we go on the pill call right Pill right. stuck in the throat out in the middle of nowhere and I said just do whatever you want to he rode with me I wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> so when he gets in there. Start an IV, two of them, I don't care, whatever you want. Uh, put her on O2. She sat at 99%. Color was good. Good to air exchange. She was having, uh, what's that called? Madonaphasia, where she had painful swallowing. Right. Now, I don't, I don't, there's no doubt. I, I don't remember the medication. I looked it up. It's a big pill. You probably got in there sideways. I'm sure it was painful when she swallowed. But so what? <laughs> yeah. It's going to dissolve eventually. It's a pill. That pain is part of life. The, the quicker you get on board with that and get over it, <laughs> the better things will be for you. Absolutely. Well, anyway, he's, he, so he, he puts her on O2. I'm like, whatever. Good on you. Then... He starts an IV, <laughs> and I went, 
what? <laughs> okay. What, whatever. I don't care. I'm not a sergeant. You still have to document I don't have, it, though. I don't, have, I don't have to do it, and I don't have to feel it, so I don't care. That's <laughs> cool. Then he gave her nebulized saline huh. to try to dissolve the pill. And I'm like, you realize it's not going down the same hole when she breathes in. <laughs> you do realize two separate holes, two separate tubes, right? <laughs> different, different holes. Anyway, I didn't say anything. Whatever. Again, it ain't coming out of my pocket. It didn't cost me anything. I ain't doing it, so whatever. Then he says to me, should I give her glucagon? I went, <laughs> <laughs> no, but why are you asking? <laughs> what rabbit hole are you jumping down? <laughs> yeah. He said, well, it's a smooth muscle relaxant. And I said, well, A, her airway's not compromised, so it's not an issue. You know, so we're not that concerned about it. And B, it costs like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks for one dose. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking uh, my boss might actually kill you. <laughs> yeah. If you do and that. Then I, and then I said, well, what's, your, what's your history? I said, he said, what do you mean? I said, she's diabetic, dude. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> then I thought to myself, this guy has been under the tutelage of the other medic that was out that day for a while. He's been riding with him for like six weeks. He's picking up his bad habits. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he's got some severe ones, it sounds like. Yeah, because I'm sure he would have allowed him to give the good gun. He'd been like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. That's, that's, that's smart. That's the kind of thing I've got going on. And I just, I'm glad that I work night shift most of the times. So I don't want to. I'm over being, because I'm, I'm, too much of an a-hole to be with a student they'd have to be a really salty student to be able to be with me you know I thought about uh, at our service you have to be an FTO to be able to take students or neops or any of that you know so I was thinking you know what I'll be an FTO I'll help out and then the uh, the process they do it like every six months they have this process to become an FTO and you have to fill out this this big long form, and they have to, you know, how long you been doing this? And I'm like, shouldn't you know? This is all in my file. But you hired me. At the, know. at the end of it, you have to write like a little essay as to why you want to be an FTO. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm tapping right here. Nah, I'm good. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are. You, you look too extreme for me. That's crazy. Yeah. I was like, eh, I'm going to pass. I'll just, uh, I'll just stay over here making 25 cents less. That's fine. Yeah. I wouldn't like that. Yeah, I kind of thought that was a little little much. You're asking a whole, whole lot there for very little uh, benefit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm- Speaking of... Of, of classes and stuff that people are taking. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but there's something that's called uh, CIT. It's uh, like 
crisis intervention or something. It's it's it has something to do with mental health. And uh, one of our supervisors uh, took the class this past week. It's a forty four zero hour class. Holy crap! Yeah, on mental health stuff. And she was talking about all the resources and stuff that she found out that there is, and all the things that you know. This was a great class and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, first off, what in the world is there forty hours worth of of material that a paramedic needs on this stuff? I mean, really, forty four zero hours. So I was like, the second thing is. Okay, you've got this class. You've got this pin you can wear now. Now what? Do, do you have some sort of special skill set or a special black book of people you can call that we don't? No. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to put them in ambulance and take them to the hospital just like we always do. Yeah, and that eight-minute ride is not going to fix their mental issues. Yeah, and your your 40-hour class is going to do nothing for it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm all about if people want to take classes and further their career and all this, but I'm like, 40 hours? The, what, what in the world? I don't I don't know how that would ever be of any kind of benefit we let, we, we let people paralyze people after an hour. Point taken. An hour class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your ability to to breathe away from you for a, a, you know an undefined period of time. Depends on how much medicine I give you and how often. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I'm like, but what? In I've got the- an hour training. <laughs> yeah, and you, you don't get a special pin or a certificate. It's just, oh, here you go. You're good. <laughs> yeah, you're checked off for now. Yeah. That, that seems insane. We had a class after this about suicide. It was an interesting class, but my policy still remains. I get somebody that's suicidal or has attempted suicide, I do not ask them why. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, I don't. I don't care, and I don't mean to be uh, an ass about the whole thing. I don't care because I can't fix it. Eight minutes is not long enough for me to give you any kind of information or to do anything else. I have vital signs to take. I have documentation to take care of, and I have to encode to the hospital because if I don't, they get mad at me. Well, see, that's the thing. It's uh, first off, we don't have any business hauling this crap. But second off, no. you have called people. You're suicidal, let's say. You have called people that work long hours. The vast majority of people still work in 24-hour shifts, you know. Uh-huh. And we've all working, been or work or have worked two, three, four jobs to pay to pay our bills. Some of us have had multiple wives, like yourself. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got kids. You I may, resemble that remark. Well, I mean, people have kids. They have divorces they have to deal with. They have, you know, they might not be able to see their kids. Point is, is everybody's got problems. But you have called people that work more hours than just about anybody and actually work in those hours, you know, not just sitting on the Barker lounger. Right. You have called these folks seeking out sympathy (laughs) 
you called the wrong that. number. <laughs> you absolutely called the wrong number. You looking for somebody that, that that's gonna feel sorry for you and sing kumbaya? You dialed the wrong number. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I I hate that you're going through this and blah 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 and it's all God's children. I get that, but you know I'm on my twelfth call. I haven't slept in sixteen hours. Really not that concerned about your case of the SADs at this point. Yeah, I like how you all say that. You and Morton talk about people having a case of the SADs. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Feel free to use it. <laughs> I will, liberally. <laughs> you get the MADs and the SADs, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they, People do call uh, for us to come out in those kinds of situations and and I think to myself, there is an inordinate amount of people that I know who have committed suicide in my career. In in twenty, say let's say twenty five years. I'm on my twenty fifth year. Twenty five years that I've been in this business, uh, I can think of probably in your classmate that that died. I'm not necessarily suicide, but he was definitely self-destructive. Right. Uh, uh, that's that's the reason why he died in a car crash, and and it, 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 there's no doubt that it was self-destructive behavior because you've been doing a lot of self-destructive stuff before that. Yeah. But I know. Uh, let's see. I can think of four right off the top of my head uh, that me and you. Had well, one of them did, but three off the top of my head that me and you worked with. Oh yeah, and then one other one. So that's four uh, suicides, and uh, then then the self-destructive guy. So that's five, and then uh, there's a murder in there too. Right. Which which all of that's analyst induced. You know, mm-hmm. all these things. That's the stress of the job. And it's not addressed at all. Our mental health is not addressed at all. Oh no! It's like you. I remember a call with that same the same medic you're talking about that uh, died in the car crash. Me and him, you know, we went to class together. We had been out of paramedic school maybe a year. We were working on a truck together, and we went to a call for a baby that had been shot. And we got out to this hotel room, and the dad, the, the biological dad, had kidnapped the kid from the mom and was hiding out in this hotel. And we go in there, and this kid's like two, and uh, go into the bathroom, and I pull over this towel, and this kid has his face blown in. He shot him right in the face. You know, he's dead. And then we walk back out of the, the bathroom, and I hear the dad groaning, you know. I'm like, uh thought you cleared this room <laughs> to the deputy. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's that? <laughs> I was like, what, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. That'd be the one that shot him. But we ran that call and uh, that's one of the, it's one of those weird things. Yeah, you know, I, I don't ever feel sad, depressed, uh, like gonna cry or anything like that about calls. I just, I, I just ain't built that way when it comes to EMS. You know, I've, it's not that I got a hard heart. It's just 
I'm one of those people like yourself that's just built for this crap, you know? Right. And yeah. so <laughs> we got back to the station to clean up all the mess and stuff and restock supplies. And the, the director at the time, God rest his soul, he walks out there to the bay and uh, he sees us cleaning all this crap and the blood from the dad and stuff off the cot. And because we tubed him and flew him out. But um, he said, uh, Thank you all for running that call. <laughs> I look over at my buddy, the, my partner. I go, "Was there another option?" <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You mean we could have we could have declined it? <laughs> Nobody told me this was on the table. <laughs> you should give me the full menu before I choose. Yeah, I just thought I had the one option. I didn't realize there was multiple. <laughs> But that was our that was our CISD, you know. Appreciate you running that call. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you running that. I appreciate you. Thanks. Yes. Hey, oh, by the way, there's a dialysis holding for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If y'all yeah, can so hurry, you get done cleaning up the uh, blood from this guy who murdered his child. If y'all could hurry up, we'll restock this later. Just get the blood cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> we got a doctor's appointment. You need to go do Knoxville. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we've got long distance doctor's appointments. We need you to take care of. Yeah, uh, that's that's, gonna that's be, the uh, mental health that we get. <laughs> <laughs> There's a oh. large volume of of bad things that happen down where I'm at, and you know I've been involved on several of them. You know, it's just it's just routine to us because we've done it for so long. But not a single solitary time has somebody asked if we were okay or if we needed to you know talk to somebody. Not that I would anyway, because. It's just not me. Yeah. But I'm like, you really are hurting in this area. Because there's a lot of folks, like you say, that get in this crap and they just ain't built for it. No, and they, they're not. They may need to talk to somebody because they, they over there crying or, or, you know, doing like the self-destructive behavior thing or, you know, start driving too fast or sleeping with anything or eating too much or whatever. It's just like... Yeah, these people they, they they can't handle this crap. The Arnold's induced divorce syndrome AIDS. <laughs> it's not it's not the gay AIDS. It's the AIDS like <laughs> the AIDS. <laughs> that is the truth because a lot of people you know, are and and you're lucky and I'm glad that you are. But uh, there's a lot of people get divorced because they get that. I think that it's a lot of it is because the spouses that you marry or, or you're with or whatever your significant other or whoever that happens to be don't have the ability to listen to things like what we're talking about right now and kind of you know yeah they think what, what in the world's wrong with you <laughs> exactly they think that something's wrong and then you tend to quit talking to them about it and then you start talking to the little nurse at the ER because she understands and then the next thing you know things are happening mm. and that, that's how that goes uh, I'm not saying that it's the right thing I'm saying that's the way it goes sometimes and you know of course there's alcohol abuse and even a lot of substance abuse I, I've been around a lot of medics that have uh, 
lost their license and been to rehab and that sort of thing because oh, yeah, of, a bunch of I, I, I probably is, uh, probably probably twice as many that have committed suicide I know have went to rehab personally these are people I personally know so if you said to yourself in 25 years five people that you personally know even people that you like say you work at a factory with uh, 500 people in it which is in EMS terms 500 people is a large sampling right. of EMS but 500 people you work in a factory if you work there for 25 years and out of those 25 years uh, 5 people committed suicide you would think something was wrong with that factory oh absolutely they'd be doing some studies and going what in the world is going on here you know, well, why are we having people that are that are killing themselves every five years we lose somebody mm-hmm. uh, but now you've got a sampling of of maybe that many people 500 people in EMS in our area that you know like the surrounding counties if you took like maybe five or six of this the region whatever the region we're in we won't say which one it is but the the region that we're in there's, there's probably, there might be 500 people working in the region. Well, we got 300 just at my place. Really? It's that many? We have 300 I mean, employees. That's full-time and part-time. Full, okay, full and part-time. I think it's like 286, something like that, last I heard. But the thing about that is the part-time people are probably working full-time somewhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And, and, well, a lot of them work part-time just to get bonuses and stuff, but... If they have yeah, spouses that, you know, that's what I'm talking about. If you took your full time, just your full time number of people, it's probably the biggest service in the area, but a sampling, less than a thousand people. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And the people that just I know, now if you asked 10 random people out of that thousand, thousand, if they know people who've killed themselves, I'm sure that that number goes way up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's the people that know people that know people. It's like Facebook. You know, you've got 10 friends and they've got 10 friends, and each one of those has 10 friends. Right. Well, I, I still think that the mental aspect of this job, it's, it's the stress of it. And, and I'll say this. I was talking about earlier we go going back in a conversation where we were talking about how that uh, people don't know the stress of this job until they do the job. You can learn everything there is to know about how to treat a patient pre-hospital as a permanent out of a book and in the classroom. You can learn all those things. But when you're the one in the hot seat... <laughs> the stress changes completely and one of the most, for me, this is this personal observation on my part. One of the most stressful things that can ever be, it's not taking care of a patient. You give me a patient and you say, this, this, and this is wrong with them. Okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this and try to fix it. Right. I'm fine with that. That's, that, you know, it's like clockwork. You just do your job. But one of the most stressful things that I have ever experienced in EMS is to be dispatched on a call and not able to find that where they're wanting us absolutely. to go. Absolutely. That drives me nuts, especially if I know it's something serious. 
Yes. That drives me up the wall. I am the same way. It is so stressful because you're wanting to help these people and you can't get to them and nobody can tell you how to get there. Mm-hmm. Nobody marks their house and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's just horrible. And you live, and off, then, you live off a pig path that has five mailboxes in front of it. It's one of my favorite things that the dispatchers say where I work is they live down under the hill. <laughs> so they're hobbits? <laughs> <laughs> Evidently they're hobbits. Well, there you go. Uh, I don't know what that even means. They live down under the hill. <laughs> so like in the hollers, what you're saying. <laughs> and they will say that, I don't know, I'll hear that ten times a month. They live down under the hill. <laughs> It'll be a white house down under the hill. Hey, I'm going to have to cut us off on this segment here. I'm, I'm creeping up on the 60-minute mark, and it's going to cut us off. So stand by okay. for just a moment. Wait like everyone else. All right, folks, that's going to be all we can do for this episode. Uh, My tiny little brain can't control much more. Uh, I do want to give some shout-outs. The first one, I like to give a shout-out to Derek's Heretics. It's one of our buddies that does a show. It's about like paranormal and aliens and all that weird crap. Uh, It's scary. It's scary. He has scary music. I, uh, I I reached out to him and asked for a, an episode on Area 51, so he, he agreed that that would be something they would do soon because that's something that interests me. But you can check him out, Derek's Heretics. Uh, he's available on Anchor, of course, and your Google Play, your iTunes, and your Bullhorn, and your Cowhorn, whatever else you can come up with. I'm sure he's there. Yeah, let me recommend a podcast, too. There's a guy that I know. I think he's, uh, oh, well, I've heard him on your, your podcast. I heard you talk about him on your podcast. Kevin's podcast show. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, he does all kinds of political stuff. and There's news versus news, and then there's got that segment, The Unknown Redneck, and I like that really good. I always forget to mention The Unknown Redneck, but that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I like The Unknown Redneck. Well, I'd like to once again thank Norm Saline for being with us. Uh, nice, good, long podcast. People won't know what to think. They'll have to listen to me for a long time. But uh, we'll have him back, hopefully. Hopefully he'll come back. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be back in the time. I appreciate it, brother. All right, buddy. Uh, that'll be... Uh, Wrapping it up for this episode, guys. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you later.